Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. how to calculate the exact amount you need to charge your clients in order to earn 20% profit on that project? It's simple to do if you know how. Learn how by downloading our free course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, today at entrearchitect.com slash free course. My name is Mark R. LePage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business so you can be a better architect. This is episode 220, and this week I'm speaking with Catherine Meng of Design Voice Podcast. Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and much more at rcat.com and FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work that you love. Catherine Meng, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's great having you here. Uh, Let me just share who you are with the rest of our audience here. Catherine Meng received her Bachelor of Architecture degree from Cornell University and joined DLR Group Quan Henmi in 2016, where she focuses on multifamily and student housing projects. Uh, Prior to this, she uh, previously worked in New York City and Shanghai. In addition to her work as an architect, Catherine is active in the San Francisco community. Uh, She serves as the mentor at the ACE Mentor Program, serves on the board of the Northern California Cornell 
Alumni Association and is a member of the San Francisco chapters of the Urban Land Institute and the Commercial Real Estate Women, which is also CREW, K-R-E-W, which I like that. Um, and Catherine, the reason she's here today is because Catherine just started a new podcast called the Design Voice Podcast. She's the creator and the host, which aims to elevate and amplify those voices of women in the architect, engineering, and construction professions. That is going to be a great show. I think that's a well-needed show. Uh, so I'm looking forward to uh, to watching you grow that podcast, Catherine. Before we get into that story, because I want to talk about the podcast and why you did it and what inspired you to do that and where you want to take it. Uh, but I want to know more about you first. I want to I want to go into your origin story, go back to what inspired you to become an architect and share that story to where you are today. Okay, great. Um, so when I was growing up, um, I don't even think I knew that the profession of architecture even existed. Um, I grew up in a suburb south of Denver, and I just was never exposed to the concept that people purposefully design buildings. Um, so, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a writer or an artist. Um, I loved reading and writing stories and like poems and journals, um, but I also loved drawing and art classes and making things with my hands. And, you know, of course, as stereotypical as it sounds, my Chinese parents wanted me to become a doctor or an engineer. <laughs> um, but when I was a sophomore in high school, and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this now, but I read The Fountainhead and I loved it. And I think that was when I first realized that there was even such a thing as an architect. And I think that was when sort of the idea that I could become one myself sort of lodged itself into my brain. Um, during spring break of my junior year of high school, I went on this class trip to Italy, and that was my first real exposure to like truly beautiful buildings. Um, just we went to Rome and Florence and Venice and just seeing all the you know, the old, from everything from the ruins to the cathedrals, I was just completely in awe of the entire trip. And I distinctly remember, you know, I was climbing up the stairs to the top of Brunelleschi's dome in Florence, and I was just in complete awe of, like, both internal structure of the building, but then also, like, seeing the views from the top of the city and um, the red roofs of all the Florence buildings. And I think it was this sort of beautiful moment. And as cheesy it sounds, I think that was when I decided I wanted to become yeah, an architect. Yeah. Um, that was in, in high school, you said? That was a high school trip? That was in trip? high school, yeah. It was a, a junior of high school trip. Yeah, what um, a fantastic opportunity to do that. Yeah, it was amazing. It was part of a AP European history class, but it sort of spurred me into becoming, wanting to become an architect. Um so I ended up applying to half architecture schools and then half liberal arts schools because part of me still thought I might wanted to be like a complete major or a poli-sci major. Um, but I ended up only getting into the architecture school. So I was like, I guess I have yeah. to go to architecture <laughs> school. Um, and so that's how I ended up at Cornell. And, you know, luckily I liked it. Um, I, I loved architecture school, but I also... You know, there's like times where you hate it. I think you have strong feelings about it that like span both directions. Yeah. But like overall, I really loved my time at Cornell. And, um, you know, fortunately, I graduated in. So I'm going to wait for the sirens yeah, to stop. It's OK. Unfortunately, I graduated in 2009. So right in the middle of the recession mm -hmm. and I couldn't find a job after school. Um, so I moved back to my parents' house in Houston and I did some 
the only job I could find was doing some office and admin work um, for almost about a year while still applying to architecture, any architecture related job on the side, but, you know, had no luck. And this is going on for almost a year. And it was like pretty demoralizing at the time. Um, but and so like at one point I was like, I can't take this anymore. And I noticed that there seemed to be a lot of construction and activity still going on in China. And so literally I decided one day I'm going to just move to China and see if I can find a job there and work there. And so I Googled, I think I literally Googled Shanghai architecture firms and applied <laughs> to the first, <laughs> applied to the first couple that um the first few search results that popped up and then took a job with a firm that was willing to apply for a work visa for me. And then I ended up moving to Shanghai and I worked there for about a year and a half. Um, and that was, you know, that was an amazing experience. I, um, I worked for a small interior design firm there um, and it was a pretty international staff. Um, it was a husband and wife team and the wife was Chinese and the husband was from Switzerland. And so there was a mix of a lot of local Shanghai um, architects as well as a lot of international people. And it was sort of this, probably like the best career boot camp that one could have. Um, I was just thrown into managing my own little projects, like right out of school. And I, I was expected to communicate directly with clients and do all the CDs for my projects and negotiate contracts with the contractors. And I think one time I even had to haggle the price for lighting fixtures <laughs> from a vendor, like stuff, stuff that doesn't happen in the US, but right. stuff you have to do in China. Um, and so you know, I was exposed to all aspects of like running and designing and like managing, like they were, they were pretty small projects, but I think it was just a great experience. And, um, after about a year and a half, I decided I wanted to go back to the U S. Um, so I moved to New York and applied for a bunch of jobs there. And of course I was like, Oh, I have all this CA experience <laughs> and like CD experience. And I think that's what, you know, really helped me get my foot in the door at, um, the small firm I worked at in New York. Um, and it was a similar, it was a somewhat similar experience in that it was a really small firm. So just myself and the firm principal and then the occasional intern. And we started off doing mostly like gut renovation projects of like townhouses in Brooklyn. And then over the course of five years, as the economy got better, the firm grew to maybe about 10 people. And we started doing new construction um, like about eight story, like apartment buildings all over New York city. And so I sort of got to experience the, I mean, going from three to 10 employees for small firm is a pretty big increase. And so I got to sort of experience and witness that firsthand, um, which was also really amazing. Um, what, what year was that in New York? So that was like a year and a half later. So 2011 or so 2011 through 2015 and it's starting to crawl out of the the bad economy, yeah. things were getting better. Yeah, yep. so things were getting a lot better. Um, and, you know, about, I think for a lot of people, I'm probably generalizing, but five year, the five year mark is about when people in New York decide they're going to stay forever or get out. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so my husband and I decided we were just couldn't handle the East Coast winters anymore. Um, and he's originally from San Francisco. And so we decided to move back out West. Um, and, you know, my family is still sort of on the West Coast as well. Um, <clears throat> and so we moved to San Francisco and have been here for about three years now. 
Um, and so I got a job at a mid-sized firm um, in San Francisco. I think it's pretty well known in San Francisco. It's called Quan Henmi Architects. Um, and we do mostly um, multifamily housing and then some transportation projects. And then about a year ago, our firm merged with DLR Group, which seems to be this merger acquisition thing <laughs> seems to be the trend. Um, but I think it's opened up a lot of opportunities for our firm and sort of allowed us to expand the type of projects that we work on from beyond just housing and transportation. Um, so are you still China. working independently or are you merged in with the new? The, um, the so firm? we're merged, we're merged in with the big firm, but I think each and DLR group has offices in cities across the US, but I think each um, office location has some relative independence and so I think that's what has made the merger successful is that the core like firm culture and leadership is all the same. So on a day-to-day -day basis, it basically feels exact same. It's just we all had to get new business cards right, and email. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but part of, um, I think part of the, one of the benefits of being part of this larger firm is there are all these new resources that are available to you. And so DLR Group offers what they call professional development grants and anyone in the firm can apply for them. And so I, um, which is where the podcast comes in, um, the podcast was something I had sort of kicking around in the back of my mind for a long time. Um, you know, I... It, I had wanted to make it because it's something that I wanted to listen to. Um, I just personally find it really inspiring to hear stories of other women's career and professional journeys. And I, you know, I thought it was such a good idea. I'm like, surely someone else must have done this already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and <laughs> um, at the time, it turned out that, you know, I couldn't really find the type of podcast that I wanted to listen to. And so like slowly this idea came into my mind that was, you know, maybe, maybe I could do this myself, you know, why not? Um, but I kept on, you know, pushing that idea aside because I was like, I, you know, I have a job, I can't make a podcast yeah. on the side. Um, but then when, you know, I heard about the next rant, round of professional development grants that were going out, I thought, you know, I might as well apply for one of these grants. And then if I get it, it'll sort of be the impetus to force me to do this thing, which I want to do anyways. Um, and so I ended up winning one of the grants. Um, and I, that sort of, um, I guess was the last sort of push off this cliff to convince me to start yeah. the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And so that was about four months ago. Um, the show officially launched about a month ago. And so far um, there have been four episodes released and it's, um, it's been going well so far. It's been a really intense sort of crazy learning curve and experience, but totally rewarding. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, it, it, it takes a lot more than just talking into a microphone, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of YouTube tutorials. <laughs> yeah, that's how I started. Thank you to our platform sponsors at Entree Architect, Arcat, and FreshBooks. Are you ready? Are you ready for a summer trip? 
a summer trip to New York City. Our cat is heading to the Big Apple for the AIA Conference on Architecture this June, this summer. Come visit the Big Red A at booth 707-707 on June 21st and 22nd at the Javits Center at the AIA Conference on Architecture, where every morning our cat will be serving coffee for visitors and throughout the day we'll have their BIM expert, Robert Wagent, explaining their new Revit plugin, BIM in it. BIM in it. Get it? BIM in it. Stop by booth 707 anytime to learn how RCAT can save you time and money finding product information for your projects. Remember, just look for the Big Red A. You cannot miss it. Just look across the floor. Look for the giant Big Red A and come over there and say hello. And to learn more about RCAT and how they can help you be more effective and more efficient as a small firm architect, visit entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team, buy project, and get organized with reports, communications, notifications. It does everything. Getting started with FreshBooks is ridiculously easy. Most people send their first invoice seconds after starting their free trial. The same goes for tracking time, managing expenses, collaborating with contractors, and viewing financial reports fast, easy, maybe even life-changing. And if you need help at any time, free award-winning customer service is just a phone call or an email away. And if you have ever have any second thoughts, don't worry about it. On top of your free trial for Entree Architect listeners, you get a 30-day money-back guarantee so you don't ever have to worry about choosing FreshBooks. So give FreshBooks a try. Try it free. That's free for 30 days just visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks and then let them know that we sent you by sharing Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks to access your free, unlimited 30-day trial. RCAT and FreshBooks, please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. You, you're about four episodes in. You do it bi monthly, twice a month. Bi monthly, yes. Yep, um, that is the goal. Yep. Okay. And so, uh, so, tell me a little bit about. I, so, you created the podcast that you wanted to listen to. So, and it's and it's based around the the voices of women in architecture and construction and and engineering. So, mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit more. Talk about what was the podcast that you wanted to create. What what was missing? Yeah. So, um, so just, you know, a side note that after I had started planning my podcast, there was actually one that was launched that features interviews with, um, women architects in LA. Um, and it's hosted by this women, woman, um, Audrey Sato in LA, and she interviews a lot of architects, but specifically based in LA. And so, you know, that's kind of similar, um, that's kind of similar to what I wanted to do. But I think my main goal was just to hear, I just wanted to hear people's stories and see like how they deal with, um, how they've dealt with the challenges throughout their careers. And then also like what the highlights were like and what inspires them. I think I'm of the age and generation where growing up, I was always told I could be anything or do whatever I want. And I didn't believe that, you know, I think when I was younger, I naive 
we thought that issues of sexism and equality, you know, were solved already. And so when I was working, I wouldn't have to worry about it anymore. Um, and up until a point that was true, even maybe you know, you know, your first job in school where the gender breakdown is still about 50-50, but then I think once you start working, you very quickly realize that these problems still very much exist and are, of course, not solved yet. And um, the longer I'm in this profession, I want to know how are other people doing it? You know, I feel like the challenges that I face or the, you know, worries I have or questions I have aren't unique to myself. Um, and so I wanted to know how are people dealing with these same issues? And at the same time, I think there's sort of this... Um, not really a trend, but where the idea of women in architecture is sort of a side issue. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like to characterize myself as a female architect, but at the same time, you know, I don't want to be naive. And I think you have to recognize that these problems still exist. Um, and so I wanted the podcast to sort of strike a balance between talking about a lot of the challenges that women face in the field, but also just you know, not focusing on the fact that these people are women, but that they're they're architects and they have in, or engineers and work in construction. And they have interesting career journeys that are separate of their, you know, gender or identity. Because um, I think everyone can benefit from hearing the career paths of other people, not just women, but I think men and women. Um, and so I definitely hope to strike a balance between. Um, those two aspects of the podcast. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, and I love the brand, Design Voice, um, because that's what it's all about. You know, whether mm -hmm. you're a man or a woman, it's about having the opportunity to to share your knowledge with others. Um, yeah. It's a big part of what we do here at Entree Architect. And, and I think it's a great opportunity for you to sort of um, have your voice be heard and inspire mm -hmm. others to do similar things. You had mentioned that there's a, another podcast in LA. Um, it doesn't matter if there were yeah. 10, 10 podcasts that sort of focused on women in architecture. Right, exactly. Uh, your story and the way you do it is going to be unique to 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 you and, and the people that you bring on your uh, uh, podcast. And so I wanna encourage anybody else who's listening that if, they're, if they wanna do anything, um, whether it's a podcast or the, a blog or a YouTube channel or anything that sort of promotes architecture and share and, and creates the, becomes the conduit uh, of, mm -hmm. of, of communication among us and in the community, uh, it's a good thing. And so yeah. uh, I love the fact that you've started this and that, and that, uh, and, and I do, and I love that it's focused on giving women an opportunity to share their stories. So when there's a, when there's a, uh, somebody looking specifically for that, there's a place for them to find that. Um. Yeah, and I didn't want to just focus on women in architecture. I was also interested in speaking with engineers and people who work in construction because obviously there's so much overlap in our fields and I think we could really learn a lot from each other in our different respective fields. Yeah. I, I, was there yeah. Were there any surprises that you've come across in either developing the podcast itself uh, or in some of the interviews that you've done so far? Um, I think one big surprise that I've discovered as I've made the podcast is um, this is probably also a generalization, but I think sometimes women struggle with asking for what they want, but if they're asking it for 
a greater team or for the company, then they're more willing to ask for it. And so I, you know, I'm definitely on the more introverted side and I'm not, you know, definitely more shy when it comes to being an advocate for myself. But for some reason, when I started making this podcast, I've just been completely shameless about reaching out to anyone who like might know someone who's someone at a firm. Because in my mind, I'm like, I'm not asking for myself. I'm asking for the podcast, which is myself. But, you know, it's sort of in my mind, it's benefiting like the greater good. And so it's sort of it's kind of been freeing to, um, you know, know what it's, it's been kind of freeing to know what it's like to just be, um, to be able to like put myself out there, out there more confidently. Um, and so I think, you know, I'm hoping that sort of that experience will like translate into my own personal professional life. Yeah. And, and it will, and, yeah. it, it absolutely yeah. will. I'm, I'm an introvert as well, a pretty, pretty mm-hmm. deep one. And, um, but in order to do the thing that I want to do with Entree Architect, I have to overcome that. You right. know, one of the reasons, just like you, one of the reasons I started the Entree Architect podcast is to sort of create this structure for me <laughs> to sort of learn what I need to learn and give my give myself uh, this challenge to you know overcome my shyness and my introvert you know introversion, um, if that's a word, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, and and that sort of absolutely has given me a, a, a more sense of of strength has given mm-hmm. me the courage to sort of continue and grow things. And it sort of has inspired me to create a, the platform for others to, to share their knowledge. Cause I think that's, that's what you and I are both doing. Um, I, I think one of the things that, uh, is challenging in our profession is how secretive we are mm-hmm. uh, as architects and whether it's a man or a woman or, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, our culture in architecture for generations has been very secretive. Um, and we didn't share our knowledge and, and by creating places, you know, podcasts and YouTube channels and blogs, it gives us the opportunity to, to not only share our knowledge, but to create a platform for others to share theirs. And, and that inspires others to share it. And then they, you mm-hmm. know, share it. And by, by you doing what you do and what I do it here, um, it's, it, there's this compound effect that the, yeah. the more we do what we do the more others will be inspired to do to do the things that they think that they might not be able to do, but they, they do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, all the guests that I've, I'm sure you probably have experienced as well, but all the guests that I've reached out to, you know, everyone really wants to share their experiences and knowledge and people are very, have been amazingly, you know, supportive and really want to participate in this project because I think people, you know, recognize that, this I'm not asking for like a personal favor or anything it's sort of contributing to like the greater conversation yeah what what will also be very interesting with with your platform um is that the conversations that you have with women I think can become much more transparent and Mm -hmm. they'll be much more honest about how they really feel about the profession where, yeah. Because I have I have many many women on my podcast. Probably half of the people that I've spoken with have been women, but I'm still a man, um, and 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 we have very open conversations. But I think um, your platform and and what you've created here will be able to um, create a, a, an environment where you'll be able to have some of those tough conversations mm-hmm. that sometimes aren't talked about. 
um, yeah. that, that not only about sort of, you know, um, uh, uh, discrimination and the other things that we're dealing with, but just life in general, you know, how do you, you know, how do you raise a family and be an architect? You know, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you, um, you know, be a mom, you know, and, and be an architect, those kind of questions, yeah. um, and solutions to those questions. Right. Will be fantastic to be able to have an entire um, uh, resource where you can go and you can like search for specific topics uh, mm-hmm. and say, okay, this is a, a show about this topic that will right. be able to help us resolve some of these problems. I think that's going to be fantastic. Yeah. And I've already started to get a little bit of that in just the four episodes that I've done. Um, I'm, you know, amazed at what people have been willing to open up about and share. Um, for example, one of my friends, she teaches um, an architecture studio at um, in New York City, and she's telling me about how, and she's a young mother, and she just had a 10-week-old son, and she has a two-year-old daughter, and she's telling me about the struggles she has being like a nursing mother and then also teaching, and, you know, her, the school she teaches at doesn't have these facilities for women, and so she was telling me how she will have to pump in, like, standing up in a public bathroom, um, and especially being in academia, she doesn't have... Um, like her own office space or desk. And so she basically just has like a freezer bag and a backpack and carries that with her all over New York City. And I just, um, I was like, what, how is this still happening? Like, why doesn't yeah. the university provide like a lounge? It could just be a small closet even. Um, I mean, obviously it shouldn't be an afterthought, but, you know, just things that people have been willing to open up about. And yeah. I think a lot of women will find, even if you don't have that exact experience, I think a lot of women will be able to find some, you know, shared common experiences in hearing these stories. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and, and the reason that still happens is because people don't talk about it. Yeah, you know, that's, exactly. That, that's, that's something, if your friend was on my podcast, that conversation wouldn't happen. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> you know? And so that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You'll be able to have those conversations. And because you're talking about it, other people will say, yeah, that's exactly what happens to me. And the, then we'll have these opportunities to ha- to to make some changes about th- these things. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's super interesting to to uh, to have those to be able for you to be able to have those conversations. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have who, who are some of the people? Do you do you know some of the people that you're you're going to have in upcoming episodes? Um, so I am speaking, speaking with, um, Ann Torney. She's a principal at the Methune office, um, San Francisco office. Um, so that'll be an upcoming episode. I also want to have sort of a range of experience, people of different experience levels. Um, so not just principals at firms, but people who are mid-level and then also interns. Um, so I'm speaking with a young, project engineer um, from McCarthy Construction in an upcoming episode, and then another principal at a structural engineering firm um, shortly after that. So there's a lot yeah. coming down the pipeline. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, you know, you had mentioned earlier in your in your intro, uh, in your in your origin story, that during school, you had some of these conflicts, you know, that whether you whether you wanted to be an architect or not, you know, there's mm-hmm. those. Th- and I think that many of us have those uh, yeah. those thoughts during architecture school. And, and, uh, I think that'll be another opportunity, uh, to have some of those conversations with young architects and even students, mm-hmm. um, 
to be able to, you know, uh, share that that's normal, you know, that that's not, that's not, you know, uh, something that, that only you experience, but I think I would say most of us experience because architecture Mm -hmm. school is hard, you know, and and becoming an architect after architecture school is hard. And, uh, the more we talk about it, the more we realize that we're not that different, that, that, um, you know, the, the architects all throughout. And I, that's one of the surprises that I, that I've discovered by building the Entree Architect platform is, is how similar we all are, no matter where we're practicing architecture, whether it's in New York or, or, uh, San Francisco or Shanghai or, uh, Africa, anywhere that you practice architecture, we're, we're all dealing with the same problems. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and by talking about those problems, we can, we can find some solutions. So it's great to, uh, to have you as out there as a voice, uh, doing, doing this podcast. Yeah, and that was one topic that one of my guests um, brought up. Uh, she is the co-founder of what is called the SE3 project, um, and it's sort of the structural engineering equivalent of equity by design. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're, they've been trying to convince people that issues of work-life balance, pay equity, um, you know, flexibility and flexibility with work, these aren't just women's issues, but issues that everyone should be concerned with. And so a lot of time, these sort of equity by design, SE3, SE3. it stands for Structural Engineering Equity Engagement. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes people just look at them, if they don't know too much about the organizations, I think they just look at them and assume that they're only about women and minorities, when in fact it's about how do we make the profession better for everyone. Um, and so when you make it better for everyone, it you know by default also makes things better for women and minorities. Yeah. But that, the end goal is to make it better for everyone. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, you know, Rosa is a friend of mine and, and I've been very involved in the things that she does at equity by design. And, um, I agree the things that Rosa is talking about, uh, are, are architecture issues, you know, people issues. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, you know, they affect women differently than, than men, but they affect all of us. And if we can, if we can solve those problems for all of us, then we solve them not only for the women, but we solve them for the profession. Um, Mm -hmm. and we all, and then we all thrive and we become a, a stronger profession. And I think that, you know, um, We've we've found ourselves in the last you know decade or two, uh, sort of struggling with the identity of architecture of who we are and what mm-hmm. we do and 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 some of the struggles that we have and I think that um, platforms like Equity by Design and Design Voice Podcast and and uh, the, and others uh, that's how we're going to grow that's how the profession is going to get better is is, yeah. is by talking about these issues and then solving creating some some ways to fix these issues and then proceeding and fixing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the more voices, the better. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking Hope. forward to, uh, to hearing, <laughs> hearing many of them over on, uh, on the design design voice podcast. So thank you. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, if there's anything we can do to help you, um, you, we absolutely can, uh, share your con your, your, uh, contact information here before we, before we wrap up here, I want to ask you the one question that I ask everybody. Uh, Mm -hmm. What is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? So this might be kind of unconventional, but I would say you should sign up for an improv class today. Um, I I love that answer. (laughs) I 
I am a big proponent of improv classes. I started doing it just because I thought it was fun, but I realized that all these skills that you learn in improv classes can apply to your life situations, but also your work situations. Um, and also you meet really interesting people. Um, so I would say go out and I'm sure there's, it's sort of this become very popular. So I'm sure any city or probably not town, but any city you live in has an improv theater and they probably teach classes. So go sign up for one. Yeah. I would say probably even, even most towns probably have some yeah. sort of, you know, acting classes somewhere and they probably yeah. have improv as part of that. That might be, might be the best answer we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great, a great answer to that. Cause I think that that goes so many different places. I mean, it, it gives you more confidence. It gives you right. uh, communication skills, it gives you a better way to respond when, when you need to respond. Um, that's a great answer. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, on the web design voice podcast.com. If you want to go check that out, you can search it on iTunes and subscribe. So go do that. Uh, on Twitter is at design voice pod. Uh, so you can go to uh, Design Voice Pod on Twitter and say thank you to Catherine for sharing her knowledge here today at Entree Architect Podcast. And Ka uh, Catherine, thank you very much for coming to join me here and for sharing your knowledge at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to Entree Architect Podcast. This is episode 220. Please share this episode. Share this link, entrearchitect.com slash episode 220. That is how we get the world to know what we're doing here at Entree Architect Podcast. One step at a time, one architect at a time. We will change the world by helping architects build a better business. Entrearchitect.com slash episode 220. Thank you. And go, go, go check out my friends' podcasts, Archispeak and Inside the Firm. Two fantastic podcasts. If you like Entree Architect podcast, you're going to love Archispeak podcast with Evan and Neil and Cormac, three great guys talking about architecture every week, just diving right deep into, into what's happening in, in their worlds. And go check out Inside the Firm with, with my friend Alex and Lance. Those guys, they're talking every week as well, sort of from a different perspective. They are digging deep into their own firm and sharing knowledge about what's happening real time. They're, it's like a business meeting. It's like you're listening in on a business meeting over there inside the firm. They're sharing how they're building their firm step by step from the beginning to the end. Well, we're going we're gonna to find out how it ends, right? Years and years and years from now when they are billionaires, I won't doubt it. Inside the Firm podcast and Arcaspeak Podcast. Go check them out. Great shows, great people. Go support them. The Entree Architect community on Facebook. It is the most interactive, most supportive, most encouraging, most positive place on the internet for small firms. Come join us. It's free. EntreeArchitect.com slash group will get you there. Just request membership. You need to be an architect or an architecture student. It is a private group, and we have very sensitive... Um, transparent conversations in there and we only want architects in there to be to be contributing so if you're an architect or an architecture student come join us entrearchitect.com slash group and go don't forget our pre free free profit course my lips are not working right now go check out our free profit course because this is the bottom line you build a better business 
you will have the time and the resources and the money to be a better architect. That's the way it works. So you need to, to build a better business. You need to be profitable. And this course, it's free. Our free profit course at entrearchitect.com slash free course. Go download it right now. Go check it out. It's a video course. It is something that I would sell, but I want you to have it for free. entrearchitect.com slash free course. Go build a profitable, thriving architecture firm. I'm going to show you how in that course. entrearchitect.com slash free course. My name is Mark R. LePage, and I am an entrepreneur architect, and I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, share. That's all you need to know. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that, <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. 
there is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.